Welcome to the Inferno cast. Today's guest has a black belt in karate, taekwondo, and gojuru, Japanese jiu-jitsu. He did 40,000 push-ups on his 40th birthday, and he's carried on the Jack LaLanne legacy, and he also trains celebrities, UFC fighters, musicians, and celebrity chefs. Let's welcome Mr. Eric Fleshman, also known as Eric the Trainer. How are you, buddy? How's it going? I'm great, man. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It really means a lot to me. It's great to see you. Man, you too. Um, I'll jump right into it. I know you've been busy. I've been seeing your Zooms and your online platform. You've been connecting with people and clients and been so creative with it. Um, I was on one the other day and, and somebody was seeing a cover and, and, I, and who knew? It was like, no, that's the actual guy. And I was like, oh man, this is awesome. So it was a good time. You're definitely delivering to your clients. Well, thanks, okay. man. I, uh, I'll tell you one thing. Um, I've always been a trainer who tries to give the highest level of fitness to my clients so that I, I can really help them go from normal to extraordinary. But I've never been in the position ever in my career where I had to ensure that the level of training matched the level of entertainment. So the notion that we're now in an era, for whatever reason, where fitness entertainment is the right thing to do, just a, a normal workout every day is not enough to get people through these crazy times. We need to be a lot more entertaining. And luckily, living here in Hollywood, I've been here for 25 years. I, I essentially know everybody. So I started making phone calls and asking people to come on. And they said yes. They said yes. They said yes. And now people are calling me saying, hey, I'd love to come on your show. And I'm saying yes. So it's good. That's it, man. I mean, that has definitely always been our relationship from the moment we met. You've always been just, you know, whatever you can do to help and to serve. Um, you know, and I've just really enjoyed being a part of you and Alicia's journey with with your brand and the businesses and, and all the cool stuff and the travel and the bands and it has been fun. But what we are oh, here about, you. we are about your martial arts journey. You founded it at a young age. You know, you were the young kid that was like 98 pounds and getting picked on and struggles in school. When you found martial arts, what did it mean to you those first few classes? Like, did it affect you emotionally? Like, what was the connection like? You know, I think in order for me to set the scene, I need to tell your viewers and your listeners uh, about where I grew up. I grew up on a farm in Maine, in rural Maine. And uh, we had pigs, we had sheep, we even had a donkey. And so living that rural existence, and genetically, I look very young for my age. I'm, I'm over 50. And, uh, and so when I was 10 years old, when I was 11, 12, 13 years old, as a young martial artist, it was kind of a drag because I was one of the smallest kids in my class. Um, I actually didn't shave my face until I was fully in college. And so I think that my dad, who's a doctor, suspected that I was going to be small for a long time. And so he brought me to martial arts class when I was 10. And he came with me um, so I wouldn't feel like I was by myself. Um, and so he just wanted to give me that extra bit of confidence. My instructor was a Shotokan instructor who still teaches up there. His name is Mike Cook. He's an unbelievable instructor, probably the best sensei I ever had. And I can tell you one thing, he gave me confidence. He taught me uh, the creed of the martial artist, what it means to be a martial artist. You know, when you look at martial arts, there's the martial aspect, which is a deadly killing technique. And then there's the art, it's the lifestyle, it's the flow of, of balance. And I've always been more drawn to the artistic side than the martial side. So I didn't necessarily get into it to fight anyone or defend myself. I actually got into it to discover a sense of identity and understand who I was. And now we find ourselves in this international crisis, a time when a lot of people who are considered to be leaders in thought and, and brave are not. They're actually cowering. 
it's really interesting to see in times of crisis, the people that rise to the occasion to help themselves and help others, many times are martial artists. And I've felt as I've traveled the world in the past 20 years of my career, a great brotherhood of friendship and understanding when I meet martial artists from other places. I mean, I remember the, uh, the very moment I met Phil Collin, the guitar player from Def Leppard, and he and I both realized we were both martial artists. We created a bond that day that has never broken. The first day that I met Billy Blanks, the Taibo creator, you know, who's kind of a pop icon, and yet our martial arts background, we had a sense of understanding. It's about keeping the world in harmony, and uh, it's it's one of the highest levels of understanding and love and and under, and and living that I've ever experienced. Man, it's so ironic you say that. I was talking to John Hackleman like not even 20 minutes ago. He said the exact same thing. He said, right now the world needs martial artists more than ever because it needs people that can lead and stand up and step forward. You know, and especially that's why our purpose with this is trying to inspire positivity, let people know what they're capable of, remind them of their true potential. So you're in martial arts. You started your fitness journey, which, you know, you've definitely dominated that and you have proven to be a high level achiever in so many different areas. So my question is, what from the martial arts magnified your success in other areas of your life? You know, what I gleaned from the martial arts, what I gleaned from the martial arts was the understanding of learning from others that have been there before. The fitness world that I live in is very youth oriented. It's youth driven. There are fads that come and go. Uh, and, and so the notion of respecting your elders and learning from those people that are wise and have been there before, it's not prevalent in fitness. And so I got into the fitness world. I got a traditional certification from a company, a huge certification agency, began working as a trainer and actually was not satisfied at all with my knowledge base or my ability to help people. And rather than just giving up or rather than just accepting that that was, that was the way things were. I actually decided to, uh, to seek out the greatest fitness minds of all time. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jack LaLanne, Lou Ferrigno, uh, Don Holworth, all of these great titans of fitness who are now older. I asked them to pass on their knowledge to me, and uh, it's what I use every single day. People think I'm such a great trainer. I'm not such a great trainer. I'm essentially a cheerleader who is an iPhone from the past. So I spent time one-on-one -on -one like this with some of the greatest fitness minds that the world has ever seen. And so what I'm doing is I'm essentially parroting back that which was taught to me by the greats with a little more enthusiasm than they had, because uh, I understand that you need to encourage people and motivate them to, to go through the process. But the notion that someone, like, that someone like me can take a normal person who's feeling less than good and make them extraordinary, where it's undeniable to themselves and others that they have transcended and become this incredible version of themselves. That's what I'm obsessed with. I love the process. Well, man, you are definitely, you know, leading the charge on that process. So to the next question that is very relevant with that, what do you feel is the number one barrier when people are trying to move forward, whether it be as a martial artist, it be their fitness with their family. What do you feel like is the biggest hurdle that they got to get over? Well, I would say there are a couple of hurdles. Uh, one is a lot of people that I've met, because people come to me for advice all the time. When I, when I speak to them and I ask them, like, you know, people come to me and they say, I want to be successful. And I say to them, what does success mean? Because my martial arts instructors used to use terminology, but they would define those terms. They would define the terms so that the communication was solid. So when, I, when they asked me to do a front kick, when they asked me to do a roundhouse kick, when they asked me to take someone down, there was a specific definition of what that was, so I knew what was expected of me. Well, when someone says to me, Eric, I want to be successful, 
I always stop them and say, tell me what that means. Define success. Many times there's silence because they haven't really thought about what success is. Other times they answer right away. Success to me is being busy all day long. So now I know that they really just want a big clientele and I can teach them how to, how to get more clients because we have a billion clients. Or they say to me, success means I would own my own gym like you do. And that's great if you want to own your own facility and that's how you know. I mean, I think it's important for you to define success before you begin. So when you get there, at least you have a marker. I mean, I've been in many situations in my career where at the beginning of my career, I dreamt of being in the situation that would be so fantastic. And then years later, I am in that situation. And guess what? It doesn't feel that fantastic. It might have felt fantastic when I was 22. But now that I'm 29 and it's happened, I kind of think to myself, huh? But I'm really glad that I defined it at 22 because when I arrived at 29 at this place, I thought, okay, I've made it this far. And now with the knowledge and wisdom that I've gleaned over the years, I realize that this is not at all the precipice I want to find myself on. I want to go there. And so it's a matter of staying ambitious and spending time with people that motivate and inspire you. I mean, I think that's huge. If you're stuck in a relationship, whether it's personal or financial or business-wise, and you're dealing with people on a regular basis that don't motivate and inspire you, you should leave because your life is not that great. I mean, there's no amount of money that you could pay me to be miserable. And just to give you an example of that, I'm not going to tell you who, but a gigantic Hollywood star came to me and said, how much? And I said, uh, what do you mean how much? He said, how much to take you off the market? I said, what are you talking about? He said, I have a home in New Mexico that's 50 miles from the nearest shopping center. I mean, it's in the middle of nowhere, but it's like a compound. I want to hire you to go out there. And every time I'm out there, we'll work out like crazy because I have a big gym there. And when I'm not there, you can just live there for free with your family and, and just enjoy yourself. How much would it cost to take you to a place like that away from the world? And I said, zero. There's no amount of money that I would accept to take me out of the world because my, I know what my life's mission is. I know that I am here to serve others and I want to help positively affect the lives of as many people as possible. And there's no money that will take me away from that at all. Forget it. No way. I have my integrity. I have my identity and I have my integrity from being a martial artist. Just to be clear, I identify as a martial artist far beyond that of a fitness guy. When I walk into a gym, people are like, awesome, Eric, the trainer's here. They're looking at a martial artist who does fitness. I'm not a fitness guy that does martial arts. I was a martial artist for 10 years, a decade before I ever walked into a gym. Don't forget. Absolutely, man. And your trajectory's gotten there. Well, I guess now everybody knows that uh, I tried to pay you to go live in the middle of nowhere, right? <laughs> uh, but I will say you've always been very trajectory driven. So I would ask this, what is the number one fear that you run into when you're trying to help people? Like what is number their number one fear? one fear that seems to be so consistent? So your question is, what is my fear or their fear? No, their fear. What is their number oh, their one fear. fear? Like, what's the number one fear that you deal with all the time? They feel like it's unique and different and like nobody else in the world feels this. But what's the fear that you feel that you have to help people overcome the most? You know, in my line of work, the number one fear that I encounter is the fear of failure. And so I have people that come to me every single week and they say, I've worked out with trainers. I've gone on these diets. I've done all of these things and nothing has allowed me to look and feel the way I want to. And so they're, they're weary. They're almost battle weary. And uh, I remember back when I was getting my first black belt, I walked into the test 
And the first thing I did was I had to fight all of the black belts that were in our small community. Then I immediately had to fight all of the brown belts. Then I immediately had to fight the green belts and the blue belts and the yellow belts. By the time I got to the white belts, I was so tired. I was a young guy back then that the white belts were actually hard to beat. And that weariness taught me the importance of perspective, endurance, and that inner fire that allows you just to, to charge forward. And so without hesitation, I always say to them, look, I've been a trainer for nearly 30 years. I've helped some of the most extraordinary, most watched people on the planet look and feel their best in front of millions of people, audiences on movie screens. I don't think I'm gonna fail with you. I haven't failed so far, you will not be my first. And I try to turn it into a joke. Then I usually tackle them, although in this age of social distancing, I'm not allowed to anymore. But many times I will tackle them. And this is the first time we met, and so they're a little freaked out, but they realize that like a big Irish setter, I'm trying just to jump on them and let them know that I have a lot of love in my heart, that I have a knowledge base that is unparalleled, and that I never fail. So if they're in my trajectory, I will succeed with them. Absolutely, and you have proven that time after time. Um, when people are on this path, and they face that fear, how often do you see people battle a fear of success instead of a fear of failure? Well, I think that with a lot of people, they are scared of success, and I've seen people around me sabotage themselves, um, not necessarily in my work, not necessarily like when I, when I meet someone, and let's say they are a talk show host, and they're, they're doing very well in the talk show host circuit, but they dream of hosting the Oscars. Well, I see them sabotage themselves professionally, but when they go to sabotage themselves in my world with exercise, with diet, with sleep, I don't let them because I'm hyper aware. I have keen eyes. I'm like a hawk. Ah, ah. I watch them. And so if they're eating bad food, I look at their waist and I say, hey, what are you doing? Why don't you just go to the Louvre and pee on the Mona Lisa because that's what you're doing when you eat donuts at 11 o'clock at night. If I want your good looks more than you do, that's an imbalanced relationship. So. I don't actually allow them to fail. I'm on a mission that will not be stopped. No one can stop me. I'm gonna help as many people as possible. And if I can't motivate and inspire someone to take better care of themselves, they must have a lot of self-hatred. Absolutely, you know, and people, you know, you see a lot of times people self-sabotage and it's not even almost, it's not even malicious sometimes, it's just what their habits are, you know? Like that's almost, they're just so used to doing it that they don't notice that that is what is happening. But the fact they can have a coach and a mentor in their life to tell them the truth, you know, like if coach tells you your hands are down in kickboxing or when you're telling them, hey, you shouldn't be eating these foods because that's not healthy. You have to have a relationship that can be honest because if the relationship can be there for me to tell you when you're successful, then it has to be stable enough for me to tell you when you're not being successful. Right. How often Absolutely. do you run into people? I would so with your clientele is usually a little bit closer to like you know, people that are a little bit more successful and, and their focus on excellence is higher. Uh, like Phil Collin, you know, you, you introduced me um, to him and it was an amazing experience because we just were nerding out on Muay Thai and talking martial arts. But when you deal with somebody like that, he focuses on excellence so often. What is it like working with somebody of that caliber that has that high of a standard versus people that are a little bit more of a self-sabotager or struggle getting started? Like, what's the difference of somebody that's operating at that level? Well, you know, someone like Phil Collin or someone, uh, a famous actor, Holt McCallany from Fight Club and from, uh, from Mindhunter, you know, or, or you look at a guy like Mike, who's the bass player in Nickelback, those people have had so, mu so much success that they're now maintaining their excellence on a regular basis. And I become just another tool in their toolbox 
to keep their bodies and their minds sharp. And also we have a great relationship. I mean, as a trainer, I get to know people very well and it's, a, it's an honor. It's an honor to get to know them in this capacity. Um, we call each other directly. I never deal with agents or managers or, or any of those people. I deal directly with the talent and we have great relationships. We respect each other. Um, all of the people you just mentioned are actually martial artists. And so we have that martial arts connection. But when it comes to people that are not used to excellence, who strive for excellence, uh, many times I become their, their, uh, their mentor. Many times I come on as their trainer, but as we get to know each other better and as I can see their insecurities and their failures in their lives, I, I point to the work that we're doing. I say, look, this is what you look like when we started. It's only been 14 days and you already look so much better. Like we're making amazing progress. Therefore, if you have this little internet show that you're really proud of and it's doing well, but it's, it's really not going anywhere, here's a question. What would, we, what would we need to do to make that small show turn into a real TV show? Like, what do we need to do to build up the body of that so that as your body and your confidence rises, your career rises with it? And I can tell you this, um, I, don't, I don't seek to be people's mentors or to be their advisors, but I take a deep, deep interest in all the clients that we work with personally at my gym, the ETT Mecca in Hollywood. And I have a guy who's a, who's a doctor. He's an amazing guy, amazing guy. He's written books. He's on Access Hollywood all the time. He's on talk shows. He's such a cool, he's like one of those awesome doctors where you just want to get the greatest advice from him. He has studied with very closely Tony Robbins for years. He's like one of Tony Robbins' very close disciples. He claims that the time that he and I spent together in the gym discussing his career, it's actually been more valuable for him because we're speaking as peers and as equals. I'm not standing there like, be like me, learn from me. I'm not at all. I'm quite the opposite. I have the ability as a trainer, this is literally my job, to take any person, whether they're, they're a bagger at a grocery store, whether they're a valet parker, whether they're a movie star, whether, whether they walk dogs, it doesn't matter. I can put someone on a pedestal and I can be of service to them. It's, it's not about me at all. It's about what can I do to help you? And to me, that kind of service-driven lifestyle is very in with martial arts. I mean, as a martial artist, I want to help others. I want to help the world stay calm. Absolutely. I mean, and like with martial arts, you're only as good as your training partners, you know, like you have to engage and interact. And I think that that kind of speaks to what you're talking about with the leadership is like, there is one directional leadership in the world that exists to where information goes kind of one way. But when you get a synergistic, you know, leadership style and, and kind of meshing with people, they retain more, they absorb more information because it's not filtered in the same way. And like with martial arts, you know, you got to have a partner. Somebody's got to hold the mitt. Somebody's got to roll around with you. Somebody's got to punch you in the face, you know, and the same thing that you can do, you know, with your people that you connect with when you're coaching or leading them, even if it's at the office for people that work at, you know, corporate offices, the way you interact with people and receive their energy and send your energy to them affects your communication style, you know, how you are influenced by them. So I really do feel like you're, you're definitely leading the industry of kind of changing how things are done because you know, it's that whole thing of like the strategy of getting in shape is fundamentally like that's available. Like you can go learn how to get in shape, but yet a lot of people are not in shape. So it's how you, you get that done. That is the magic that people struggle with. And I think that you are hacking people biochemically and emotionally and, and through your logistical approach. Cause I mean, you're a very, you know, a lot of people, you know, maybe don't understand because you're always excited. You're a very educated scientific guy. And I mean, I've heard you go deep on topics at times 
that, but you bury it with this, you know, energetic connect with people, emotional experience, and they don't notice, you know, that you're biohacking them to get results, which is definitely working. So do you have a couple tidbits of some of your biohacks for us of like a couple things that, you know, behind the curtain, not too much that you kind of do to get people on track? Actually, I mean, I'm here to absolutely demystify the whole fitness process. So I can tell you this. When I came into fitness in 1992, I was a, I was a young trainer in New York City. I worked in New York City from 92 to 97. No one with a fresh set of eyes who was highly educated had looked at fitness in a long time. So a lot of the things that were being done were from the, the 80s and even the 70s. And so what I tried to do was analyze it and try to simplify it so that people could get incredible results. And this is what I came up with. I realized that most women, at least the women that I was coming into contact with, most women wanted to be sleek and strong and empowered and beautiful, but feminine. Very much like the character Jane from Tarzan and Jane. Remember Tarzan and Jane? Yeah. Most women wanted to look like Jane. And it turns out, coincidentally, that most men didn't want to look like professional bodybuilders, but quite the opposite. They wanted to look kind of like Tarzan. So I started to use Tarzan and Jane as a way of communicating with normal people that were not fitness people, but wanted to feel and look better. I sort of gave them that Tarzan and Jane ideal. Because remember, Jane is beautiful, but she doesn't go to the gym. And Tarzan is incredible, but he doesn't look like a bodybuilder. I can tell you about Tarzan. He has a small waist. He has broad shoulders. He's got a sharp jawline. When he wrestles a lion, you know who's going to win. And I think everyone secretly wants to be either Tarzan or Jane. And so I came up with a fitness method that would deliver the Tarzan and Jane ideal to anyone. But also, one of the things that was, that was true in fitness when I arrived was fitness was not gender specific. And this is not saying that there are some women that want to be muscular. It is true, like ultra muscular. And there are some guys who I even personally know who they strive to be feminine. And there's nothing wrong with that. However, if you look at the, the majority of the people that, that I run into that are looking to transform themselves, the women want to look like Jane. The men want to look like Tarzan. Those are different looks. I don't want to be feminine and sleek. They don't want to be buff and muscular. So it wouldn't make logical sense as a martial artist, thinking like a martial artist, it wouldn't make logical sense for us to eat the same things and do the same activities and get completely different results. Nobody had sort of brought that up. And, and so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to bring that up. And I started experimenting in New York at age, at age 22. Uh, with with different methods. I worked out with women with weights. I worked out women without weights. I used a lot of body weight stuff for men. And then other men, I did weights. And I came up with a method that could easily be replicated. For men, it was a combination of weights and body weight, a lot of the martial arts exercises that we do to warm up. And then with women, it was actually understanding that there's a secret zone within a woman's body from right below her chest to right above her knee where if you're moving that zone, everything changes. Therefore, if an actress comes in and says, Eric, I just got a role in a movie. It's the biggest movie of my career. I'm gonna leave in about 12 days to go up to Vancouver to shoot. I need my arms to be sleek. I need my jawline to be sharp. And I need my clavicle a little more exposed because I'm gonna be in a low cut top. We, we would do leg kicks because with women's bodies, it's from below the chest to above the knee that secretly unlocks something that changes everything. It's just understanding all that stuff. And at the very, very, very base, if you want to know just the, the base theory I have, if I align your exercise, your diet, and your sleep in a specific way, magic happens. I can change people in days, not weeks or months. 
Absolutely, man. And I just want to finish with this. The story of what you sent Jack LaLanne in the mail before you relocated out to California because you're a man of excellence and you always pushed your personal standard and you've done it by putting yourself out there and committing to excellence. So real quickly, I'd like you to close with that quick story. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, after five years in New York City, I was training Broadway stars. I was training the heads of industry. I trained the head of Christian Dior. I was working with all kinds of cool New York style celebrities and everyone's like, Eric's the best trainer, Eric's the best trainer. But honestly, you know, you get these accolades as you become more successful in your career, but you have to, you have to, as a martial artist, you stay grounded. You have to stay grounded in whatever career you're in. And I knew that all of these accolades I was receiving as the flavor of the month in Manhattan really didn't, it paled in comparison from learning from the great guys like Jack LaLanne and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Lou Ferrigno and Don Holworth and all of these great, amazing guys. And so, uh, so I just sort of, I, it's almost like I took a paper airplane and I threw it out to California and said, this means nothing if I can't learn from you. And so the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my whole career, like if you said to me, what's the best thing that's ever happened to you in your career? I got to meet the greatest fitness practitioner of all time and learn from him and understand him. I have a relationship with his family to this day. Actually, last week, Elaine Lalane, 94 years old, was on our show. She was our special guest. She has said on television that I am the last man on earth she would ever marry, which I think is her just saying that she really appreciates the fact that I'm a big disciple of her, of her uh, former husband. But I can tell you, man, that was one of the best things. And so let me leave your, your viewers and your listeners with this. If you wanna be successful in life, this is the best advice I could ever give you. Are you ready? Think about what you do and find someone in the world who is the very best at that thing. If you're a real estate person, go find the greatest real estate broker there is in the world. Not, not in your state, not in, not in your vicinity. Find the best one ever, the one that you would even die to meet. You're so excited. Find the very best at what you do, who's successful in the way that you want to be successful and learn from them, just like a martial artist. Man, as always, excellent advice. I'm always excited to talk to you. Um, you guys are always the best. We'll definitely be in touch soon. I appreciate you making time for us, and I hope you guys stay safe. Thank you so much. Thanks for being on. Thanks for letting me come on the show. It was awesome.